Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Modern Gnostic. My name is Brian Stanford. I'm coming to you from Asheville, North Carolina, and this is episode 13 of the podcast. Today is April 27th, 2020, and we are deep in the midst of pandemic. It's kind of strange to start to think that this is becoming the new normal going to work, wearing a mask, social distancing, tons of people out of jobs, areas of the country where um, a disproportionate number of the weak, the sick, and the elderly are dying, and hospitals are packed to capacity, many other parts of the country where doctors and nurses are being laid off. It's very strange where I live in Asheville, Um, Our hospitals are empty. We have very few cases of uh, people with coronavirus that need hospitalization, and they're actually um, cutting hours for nurses and medical staff at our hospitals because there are no procedures being done. I think the last time I checked, there were maybe three people in all of Buncombe County who were hospitalized with the coronavirus And while we definitely need to have resources available for the possibility of that happening, I think we're moving into strange waters when nurses and medical practitioners are losing hours, having their contracts not fulfilled, and people aren't getting uh, needed procedures done in the hospital. Whatever you think about what's going on, all in all, it's a very strange time. Um, I know I myself have been having a strange time lately. I still go to work. I work for Trader Joe's, as you guys know, who've been listening to the podcast, and we haven't stopped working a beat. Um, We're still working full hours. We have packed stores filled with people. Um, We are following all the social distancing guidelines and taking lots of extra steps for cleaning and sanitation. We're all wearing masks. Um, We're limiting the number of the people in the store. And I was noticing the other day, um, talking to one of my coworkers, that probably in the whole time that I've been doing this job, it is right now, physically, the easiest the job has ever been. We have less people in the store because we're limiting the numbers of customers. Um, We're trying to limit the numbers of workers on the floor. So there's actually a lot more... Um, downtime for crew members. Um, There's a lot of time that we get to spend um, outside or just kind of kicking back, honestly, a little bit in the break room. And in that sense, the physical stress of the job have been a lot less. But the psychic stress and the emotional stress of the job are turned up really high. And I'm seeing it in myself. I'm seeing it in my coworkers. I'm seeing it Um, When I talk to people who work the same job as I do around the country, uh, the feeling of stress that we're having, and I've I've thought about and tried to figure out, you know, where that's coming from. Um, I myself have not been particularly scared of the virus. I'm. uh, It's funny. I still think of myself as a young man, although I'm 47 years old, creeping up on 48. So I'm definitely not. A young man by some standards, but I think I'm a healthy man. I'm a strong man. I take care of myself. Um, I eat healthy foods. I exercise regularly. Um, I'm not overweight. I take supplements, all of that kind of stuff. And I haven't been particularly worried 
about getting the virus myself, but I have noticed that being surrounded and inundated um, in a society that is really kind of tipped over the edge into fear and anxiety is having a uh, profound impact on all of us. A couple of weeks ago, I recorded a short episode that I actually, it was just me talking in my car when I was driving, and I probably should. I've got a few of those um, episodes like that that I've recorded, and I never publish them because I think it's, um, I end up thinking it sounds unprofessional because it's recorded in the car and you can hear background noises, and it's just me uh, kind of rambling off on uh, random thoughts about things, but maybe I'll maybe I'll publish some of those. But anyway... I recorded one a couple of weeks ago where I was thinking about this idea of being a, a hero. Um, I was following a Reddit for Trader Joe's employees, and I was also seeing there were a couple of articles, um, one in the Huffington Post, um, another I think in Bloomberg, that were written by uh, employees for the company that I work for. Uh, and the employees were writing from the angle of the fact that right now grocery workers are very scared, we're very stressed out, we're in this very dangerous position, um, and we need help, et cetera, et cetera. And all of that is true. And as far as it goes, it's the experience that a lot of people are having. But when I read it, um, when I read it on Reddit, it was kind of a turning point for me because I realized that I was getting caught up in that feeling of like, oh, wow, I'm going to work every day. It's, you know, I'm out there on the front lines with this virus. I'm surrounded by all these people in my town. Somebody could get me sick. I could be getting somebody sick. The economy could collapse. Why am I having to come to work? Um, this is dangerous, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when I saw it reflected in articles that other people had written, I realized that this was not at all the attitude that I want to embody. And I think for anyone who is on the spiritual path, definitely if you are following anything along the lines of the Western esoteric tradition, and this this plays true for the Eastern esoteric tradition as well, um, fear Fear is not, is not something that you want to pour a bunch of fuel into. And I think all of the esoteric traditions hold up the archetype of the hero as something to aspire to. And it occurred to me that in the normal course of our daily lives, outside of things like this pandemic, there are chances to act like a hero. In fact, Every day provides chances to act like a hero in very, very small ways. But it's actually kind of a rare opportunity to have big instances in which to try to manifest the hero archetype. And I I had these thoughts and I shared them on uh, the Reddit for Trader Joe's crew members. And... (laughs) I was just blasted by people telling me how ridiculous it was, you know, how pompous it was, how privileged it is to think of yourself as a hero in the midst of this. And there's people getting sick and there's people this and that. And I think what I was struck by two things. One, how sad it is that uh, people 
cannot conceive of seeing themselves as heroes, but they can so easily conceive of themselves as being victims. It's almost the um, default setting. It's becoming more and more so of the modern manifestations of our culture, particularly in the United States. We really hold up the victim. Um, we hold up the victim almost to the point of emulation. And we can see in so many things all the ways in which we like to identify our lack of privilege or our underdog status or our victim status. And we've gotten away from something that I think that's very important and is there in the esoteric roots of our country. And it's one of the things I talk about when I talk about esoteric patriotism is this idea of the underdog. Yes, it's, but it's heroic to be the underdog. It's not the underdog that just stays a victim, but it's the underdog that rises above, that finds a challenge and is not defeated by it, no matter what the circumstance is. That's the image that we used to hold up. That's the image that our spiritual traditions hold up, the image of the suffering hero who is, um, there's a great Bob Dylan line where a lyric in Idiot Wind, where he says, you didn't know it, you never think it could be done. In the final end, he won the war after losing every battle. And that's a perfect explanation of the hero archetype. Despite the fact that we're bloodied and beaten down and maybe even down on one knee, not being sure that we can carry on, we push through and we keep going. If you think about it from an esoteric perspective, this is one of the central messages of the Christ. Um, when, when the Christ is, is taken prisoner and is being interrogated and condemned by the Romans, by the, the authorities of the day, and he's beaten and he's tortured and he's stripped naked, he's humiliated, he's spit upon, um, they gamble for his clothes. They beat him. They mock him. Before this uh, happens, he knows what's coming. And he has a moment of weakness where he prays that the father might remove this challenge from him. But the ultimate message is voluntary suffering. The Christ knows what's coming. He ultimately realizes it cannot pass him by. And he continues to move forward. And even in the midst of torture and beating and humiliation, he lets the authorities know that they actually have no authority over him whatsoever. They can kill his body. They can take his clothes. They can think that they're mocking him. But there's something inside man that is divine that no outside force can touch that cannot be made a victim, and that cannot be defeated if you identify with that. And this is the importance of the path. And I was thinking about this this morning. There's a beautiful teaching in Buddhism. Um, it's something that uh, for the first huge number of years that I was involved in Buddhism, I never learned this teaching of the four thoughts which turn the mind to the path. And when I began to study Vajrayana, I learned about these, um, these four thoughts, these four meditations that we think about in our practice um, to kind of give inspiration to our practice and what's going on. 
And the four thoughts, the first one is the preciousness of our human birth. Um, and the Vajrayana Buddhists go even further into this and point out that not everyone who is a, in a human body has a precious human birth, that there are characteristics that make that birth precious. Um, let me see if I can remember all of them. I don't have any notes in front of me. The first one is that you are born with a sound mind that can understand the teachings, right? So everybody who's listening to this has that qualification. The next one is that you're born into a land where the teachings are allowed to spread. Now, there could be people listening to this who are not in that circumstance. There are definitely places in the world today where esoteric teachings, where teachings about enlightenment and the Dharma are not legal and they are not allowed to be taught and to be spread. But for those of us in the United States, for those of us in Western modern countries, we have been born in a time and in a place where the teaching is allowed to be taught. I believe the third one is that you are born in a time when the teachings exist. So in the, um, in the mythology of Buddhism, there are periods of time in which no Buddha, no enlightened teacher exists, that there are no teachings. There are no teachings about the path to human freedom and liberation. Those abound now. We have access through the internet, through globalization, with just about every single enlightenment tradition on the planet. So we have the first three. We're born with a mind that can comprehend the teachings. We're born in a place where we can legally pursue the teachings. And we're born at a time where the teachings exist. Uh, and I think the fourth one is that you have the conditions to be able to practice the teachings. This one is a hard one to think about. Um, we were watching a documentary recently, and uh, it was a documentary on psychedelics, and someone had gone uh, way off into the Amazon, into this little village, uh, searching for psychedelic toads. And the village he came into was on the Amazon River, and it was bleak. Like, the people were just scraping out the bare minimum of survival. And every day from sunup to sundown was just a struggle to survive. And I remember when I saw it, one of my thoughts was, in a thousand years, a Buddha will never come out of that village. And not that the people themselves don't have the potential, but if your life is such that it is a constant struggle for food, shelter, and the basics of survival. You have no free time. You have no mental space to be able to pursue the teachings. There are people like that on the planet today, but if you have an iPhone, if you have a computer or something that you're listening to this podcast, no matter how hard your life might seem, you have the opportunity to practice the teachings. So those make up a precious human birth. So that's the first of the four thoughts which turn the mind, that we have a, a precious human birth. Uh, the second of the four thoughts which turn the mind is that we are going to die. We need to realize our time here on earth is limited. You know, we've maybe got 80 years and that could be gone tomorrow. 
I could get in a car wreck, I could drop over from a heart attack, God forbid I could get coronavirus and get put on a ventilator and not survive. Life is short, don't waste it. This is the second of the four thoughts which turn to mind. The third is meditation on karma, on cause and effect, on what you do creates the conditions for your life. And the fourth one is a meditation on the suffering of samsara. And what does this mean? This means that uh, material existence, pursuing material ends, ultimately will never satisfy us. There is always an itch that we just quite, can't quite scratch. No matter how, um, how minutely and perfectly we attempt to tweak the factors of material existence, we will never get them right enough that we are totally satisfied because we are not meant to be satisfied by material things. We are a spiritual being having a material experience. We are not material beings and we will never be satisfied by material things. So these four thoughts, meditating on these four thoughts, is meant to turn the mind to practice, to turn the mind to the search for enlightenment, to turn the mind to focusing on becoming the hero that transcends fear, that transcends limitation, that transcends um, being a serf and a slave. In the Gnostic Christian tradition, we have a prayer that I think, for me at least, it serves the function, uh, the intended function of the four thoughts. And this prayer is something um, that we say in Mass. I say it at least once or twice a day as a reminder of what I really am and what I'm really supposed to be doing. And I'll say this prayer for you now and then we'll talk about it. The prayer goes like this. O Lord, thou hast created us to be immortal and made us to be an image of thine own eternity. Yet often we forget the glory of our heritage and wander from the path which leads to righteousness. But thou, O Lord, hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are ever restless till they find their rest in thee. Look with the eyes of thy love upon our manifold imperfections and pardon all our shortcomings that we may be filled with the brightness of the everlasting light and become the unspotted mirror of thy power in the image of thy goodness through Christ our Lord. Amen. So sometimes I say that prayer in the morning. Sometimes I say it in the evening. Often I say it in the middle of the day. And it's mainly because I want to remind myself of what this prayer is saying. O Lord, thou hast created us to be immortal and made us to be an image of thy own power. I am made, you are made, in the image of the Most High. And we were created to be immortal beings. We were created to be unbounded by fear, unbounded by limitation unbounded by slavery. We were made to be immortal. But often we forget the glory of our heritage and wander from the path which leads to righteousness. And I think we're living in a time right now where it's so easy to forget the glory of our heritage. 
I think one of the most negative things that's happening right now is this shelter in place mentality. When I first heard them using these words, I cringed because these words first started being used maybe a year or two ago, maybe more, as a strategy that they encourage people to take if, God forbid, you are somewhere and there's a mass shooter. You're supposed to shelter in place. What that means is they're telling you you're supposed to get down and hide. Don't attempt to fight back. Don't attempt to run away. Shelter under your desk. Hide. And, and hope that someone comes and saves you. Or hope that the bad thing goes away. We don't want to shelter in place. And I'm not saying that means you should go out and... You know, you should, you should gather in large groups or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the mentality of sheltering in place, uh, that is a way in which we forget the glory of our heritage and wander from the path which leads to righteousness. But thou, O Lord, hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are ever restless till they find their rest in thee. We are always going to be subject to small-mindedness, to fear, to panic, to anxiety. When we are not fully embodying what our heritage is as sons and daughters of God. This is what it means to me that um, the Lord has made us for thyself and our hearts are ever restless till they find their rest in thee. We are images of the Most High. We are meant to be the unspotted mirror of the power of God and the image of the goodness and greatness of God. That is the message of Gnostic Christianity, of Hermetic Christianity, that human beings are reflections of the divine. We are not meant to be these rabbit-like creatures that shelter in place and become subject to fear. In Gnostic mythology, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, there are these beings called archons. And uh, if I'm correct, archon is a Greek word that uh, the best definition I like of archon is like a bureaucrat. So if you think about this aspect of the Gnostic mythology, um, the world is conceived of as almost like this, this prison planet of material existence in which we as sparks of the divine are captured and imprisoned. And there are beings called archons that are kind of like the bureaucrats of the prison system and they keep us locked down in this mind state of a prisoner. And as I think I've said in, in past episodes, I like to have multiple maps of reality. And one of the maps of reality that often makes a lot of sense to me is this um, prison planet Gnostic myth. Uh, now, it's worth pointing out that there's another myth in Gnosticism, too, that all of this, the world, it's not really a prison. It's, it's a divine manifestation. And like I said, I think it's good to have multiple maps of reality. If you're going hiking in the woods, you don't... You, and, and you're way off in the woods, it's a good idea to have a couple of maps because it's easy to get lost. But the map of the prison planet world, um, to be quite honest with you, friends, it's, it's becoming uh, more and more the map that's making the most sense to me 
um, in our current situation. And in that situation, our, the prison bureaucrats, the wardens and the guards, uh, just like in real prison, in real prison, they rule you with fear. They uh, constantly tell you that you're a piece of shit, that you're a low life, that you're not worth anything. I spent six years in Texas prisons hearing that message, that I was a nobody, that I was a no one, that no matter what I tried to do with my life, I would always in, end up back in prison. You would see people who tried to stand up get beaten down. You would see all kinds of lessons in fear and anxiety they would try to teach you. And they try to teach you that to keep you small and controlled. And right now, the archons of the world are doing that same thing with this pandemic. And that's not to say that there isn't something real out there, some real plague out there stalking the land. I'm not disputing that. But what I'm saying is that the, the, the reaction to it of the spiritual warrior should not be fear. It should not be small-mindedness. We need to recognize and embody that the Lord has created us to be immortal and made us to be an image of its own power. Think about that. You are an image of the power of the most high being in the universe. So I'm going to read this prayer to you one more time. O Lord, thou hast created us to be immortal and made us to be an image of thine own eternity. Yet often we forget the glory of our heritage and wander from the path which leads to righteousness. But thou, O Lord, hast made us for thyself and our hearts are ever restless till they find their rest in thee. Look with the eyes of thy love upon our manifold imperfections and pardon all our shortcomings that we may be filled with the brightness of the everlasting light and become the unspotted mirror of thy power and the image of thy goodness through Christ our Lord. Amen. So we ask God to look with the eyes of love upon our manifold imperfections and to pardon all our shortcomings. So the point isn't, I feel like most of us in the West have gotten this idea of sin as something that you are meant to feel guilty and small about. God never wants you to feel guilty and small. Christ never wants you to feel guilty and small. God created you to be an emissary of his power, to be a hero. But we have imperfections and shortcomings. We forget the glory of our heritage. We fall into fear. We're subject to the media. We get filled with anxiety and resentment. And we ask that God look with love upon those imperfections and shortcomings and pardon them. And why? Why pardon them? So that we can really manifest our destiny of being an unspotted mirror of God's power and an image of God's goodness. That we become the heroes. Now, when I think about the line in the prayer that says the glory of our heritage. What is the glory of our heritage? There's a great um, Western esotericist. He's no longer living in the material plane, uh, but his books are still around. His name is Paul Foster Case, and I highly recommend 
you look into Paul Foster case. Some, uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird in the West, Western esoteric tradition. I feel like we know the names of people like Aleister Crowley or Anton LaVey. Um, but some of the, the real giants um, we've lost contact with, Manly P. Hall, Paul Foster Case, Dion Fortune, Alice Bailey, Israel Rigardi. These are some names you should, you should investigate if you don't know who they are. But anyway, Paul Foster Case has a piece of writing called The Pattern on the Trestle Board. And this was a, um, well, really, it's a, it's a Western terma. It's a treasure. In the tradition of Vajrayana, there are people called treasure revealers or tertans. And they find uh, teachings that in the mythology of Vajrayana, these are teachings that great beings hid kind of in the mind stream of humanity because there would be a certain time and place that those teachings would be relevant. Another way to think about this is um, in the West, they largely call it channeled texts. So someone will start to feel like they're getting a message from the beyond with a spiritual teaching. And that's what the pattern on the trestle board is. This came to Paul Foster case in a vision from a, uh, from a spiritual being beyond this plane. And you can take that literally, or you can take it mythically, but you should take it. This teaching is beautiful. And this teaching, um, I think this teaching puts in very succinct words what the glory of our heritage is. And I'm going to read it to you. The pattern on the trestle board. This is truth about the self. All the power that ever was or will be is here now. I am a center of expression for the primal will to good, which eternally creates and sustains the universe. Through me, its unfailing wisdom takes form in thought and word. Filled with understanding of its perfect law, I am guided moment by moment along the path of liberation. From the exhaustless riches of its limitless substance, I draw all things needful, both spiritual and material. I recognize the manifestation of the undeviating justice in all the circumstances of my life. In all things great and small, I see the beauty of the divine expression. Living from that will, supported by its unfailing wisdom and understanding, mine is the victorious life. I look forward with confidence to the perfect realization of the eternal splendor of the limitless light. In thought and word and deed, I rest my life from day to day upon the sure foundation of eternal being. The kingdom of spirit is embodied in my flesh. That document is a statement of what our divine heritage is, of what we are meant to be. We weren't meant to be rabbits. We weren't meant to shelter in place. We weren't meant to live in fear. We were meant for fearlessness, freedom, and sovereignty. This is the truth 
about the self. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Modern Gnostic. This is episode 13, and today we're talking about uh, the truth about the self and digging a little bit more into the perennial message of fearlessness. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Listen all the way to the end. We've got a message at the end that you want to check out. I hope everybody's doing well, everybody's safe. Everybody's finding new ways of being that are healthy and empowering during these weird, shifting times. As Littlefinger says in Game of Thrones, chaos is a ladder. And my friends, we are in the midst of chaos right now. So climb that ladder. Climb that ladder and transcend. Pour you something good to drink. Some herbs to smoke if that's your thing. And sit back, relax, and seek the mysteries. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you found it inspiring and you want to take a look at the pattern on the trestle board, you can just enter that into a Google search engine, Paul Foster Case the pattern on the trestle board, and you will find it. If you look for the liturgy of the liberal Catholic Church, you will find the other prayer that I read in the text today. And I want to encourage you, something else I was thinking about that I didn't put in the body of the text is, it's a real important quality right now to be open to new information. The ground is changing constantly. And you need to be able to change with that ground. If you solidify yourself into a set of beliefs about what's going on with this pandemic and with this virus, you are bound to make mistakes. A friend of mine said the other day, a friend who, who, uh, because of his work, he's involved with a lot of doctors. And he told me that he was really getting disturbed because every doctor he knew, what their thoughts were around this virus fell out exactly Um, on political lines, and that is a bad situation. With something like this, we need objective scientific facts. And the thing about objective facts with something in the middle of a pandemic is a lot of that is going to be changing. The ground is changing almost every day. So friends, try to expose yourself to as much information as you can. Try to keep yourself from solidifying into opinions about what is or is not happening. Be open to change, be adaptable, be fast, be able to move. And don't be a rabbit. Don't enter into a shelter-in-place mentality. You are meant to be a fearless, powerful, sovereign being. You are a son or daughter of God. You are not meant for fear. If you liked this episode, hit the like button wherever you're listening to it and subscribe. Um, I love to see new subscribers. I love to see that people are checking out the podcast. Uh, Feel free to share it on social media with your friends, your family, whoever else. Um, If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook, Brian Stanford. You can find the Modern Gnostic podcast page. 
and the uh, Gnostic Catholic Union. That is the Gnostic Church that I am involved with. We also have a Facebook page. We are doing, uh, during the pandemic, we are having Sunday evening online meditation and discussions at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Reach out to the church on Facebook so you can get included in those invites. We're doing a different meditation or spiritual practice or having a discussion every week. We're going to be launching a uh, book club on Carl Jung's Red Book soon. And we have other events going on. We have morning meditation sometimes that you can take part in. And it's just a good, uh, it's a good way to be in contact with Sangha, with spiritual community, with people who are attempting to embody uh, these kinds of things that we talk about here on the podcast. So don't be afraid to reach out. Don't let yourself feel isolated, especially in this time. Find spiritual community that uh, feeds you, that emboldens you, that helps you stand up and never ever stop seeking the mystery friends you can always find me you can always reach out and uh let's just keep doing this let's embody our heritage and be what we were meant to be until next time you guys have a good one